theory. Now, we talked about it week one. Um, we talked about it week one. But do you all still, everybody in the house know what a bay is? Uh, not a, not like a, not like San Francisco Bay or anything like that. Now, the BAE is, uh, is believe it or not, uh, I didn't know this until only a few years ago, that it's before anyone else, because we got to make it more complicated than it is. Uh, I was like, somebody's like, oh, you know what a bay means? I'm like, yeah, it's just like lazy person talk for baby, right? Because we do that with everything else. And it makes sense in the context, right? She's my bay, he's my bay. I'm looking for bay, you know. And I'm like, no, it's before anyone else. Well, excuse me. I'm an old man now. I'm actually got gray in my beard right here. That's right here. I know it's happening. It's happening. I think I pull it off pretty well, though. Don't respond to that. I think I pull it off pretty well. Just let me have that. Uh, welcome to Westside Exchange. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Ben Fleming. Uh, I've been pastoring this ministry since September, October, or something like that, somewhere in there. Uh, man, it's been so fun to be with you guys and to really, uh, really, in a lot of ways, launch this ministry. It, it kind of existed. It did exist. Uh, but then after I got hired on, it was really given the resources and the tools and uh, the go-ahead to really launch into everything that we wanted to be. Uh, we've already seen, man, a ton of growth. You guys are packing this place out already. We're already figuring out where we're going to go next, which is... Awesome. I'm super excited about that. Can't wait to tell you about what the plans are as soon as we have more of a firm grasp on what they are. Um, but man, I'm really believing, as always, I'm really believing for tons of growth from this group, not just butts in the seats in here. While I think that's important, I believe, I believe you guys, in, uh, and it's not to say that, that other people or churches are doing it wrong, but I am a big proponent of, of large churches. Uh, why is that? Because of the, the lighting and the, the celebrity status, nothing like that. I just love churches that look as much like heaven as they could possibly look. Man, there's going to be so many people in heaven. There's going to be so many voices. There's going to be so much diversity. I really love a, a large gathering, a big church to really give us perspective on what God is doing and what he's going to do in eternity. So I'm really encouraged by that. And really, I, I hope that we can make a big ministry or West Side is a large church feels small to you, that you can get connected, that you can find friendships and community that go beyond just listening to a preacher talk or, or, or anything like that. So along with that, we have tomorrow night coming up is our third Wednesday service, which uh, is just kind of a big, uh, we go bigger worship team. We're actually going to be serving food tomorrow night. Hello, Taco yes, Bar. Jesus. And yes. somebody said amen. Uh, and then uh, we're going to have service at all. I think the food is going to start around 6 or 6.15 up at Westside Church Bend Campus over there, kind of off. It's not Newport, it's Shevlin, because every street in this town turns into something else if you go on long enough. You guys, down here, eighth turns to ninth. <laughs> what are we doing? Anyway, anyway, it's very confusing to me. But um, uh, yeah, over there at the at the, the Westside Church Campus Bend, and we would love to see you there tomorrow night. Like I said, Taco Bar 6, 6.15, you can hang out, we're going to have services 7, and then we're going to double up on the food uh, by going to Mod Pizza for an after party. If you've never been to one of our after parties, the church pays for everything that you want, all right? Any drinks, any food, whatever. Um, you know, if you've got kids, if you've got a spouse, if you've got friends, if you've got a girl that you wish was your spouse, bring them along, we'll, we'll pay for them, and we'll even tell them that you paid for it, all right? Um, well, we'd love to see you tomorrow night at that ministry so that you can kind of continue to connect. Uh, also, the only thing that's going to kind of help maybe, especially if you're new around here, get a feel for what we're doing, what we're talking about, 
Uh, our podcast, the Westside Exchange podcast, has launched just over the last few weeks. Uh, we have a Q&A that we did live here last week that's already available on that podcast, and any sermons that we have uh, are going to go straight onto that page as well. So search for it on your podcast app, Westside Exchange. It should come up uh, and, and get more plugged in here, all right? First Corinthians 13, the Big Bay Theory. We're going to talk about love tonight. <laughs> right, it was sufficiently awkward. Here we go. If I speak with tongues of men and angels but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I, I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but I do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag, and it is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. Amen? So if you hadn't gathered already, the Big Bay Theory, we're using that silly title as a segue into conversations that we're having together as a community about love, sex, dating, singleness, all of those things. Because uh, I would imagine that is pretty prevalent in your life right now if you are a young adult. Really, it's, it's a big deal and a big topic, I would say, throughout all society, no matter what age it is. <laughs> I'm a big believer that churches, we could probably preach on these subjects more often uh, than we currently do because so much of our life is wrapped up in relationships. Not only just romantic relationships, but it's wrapped up in relationships with other people. You deal with other people all day long, amen? Some of you, emphasis on the deal with, you know? You work customer service, praise the Lord, you know? You, you serve coffee and deal with very specific crazy people at your shop and... Uh, you, you have family members, you have friends, you have whatever. It's constantly about relationships. And what we're going to talk about today, I would say really, especially we're going to apply it to, to romantic relationships. It really applies across the board to all relationships. And I'm a big believer that we can do relationships probably better than we're currently doing them. Yeah. And, and God, I want you to know, is so passionate about your relationships. It's a big deal to God. He created us so that we would have a relationship with him, and then he created more of us so that we could have relationship and encouragement and community all together. I want you to know that you can't do this life alone. Amen? You can't make it all by yourself. You won't make it all by yourself without bitterness and hurt and anger coming in. And now some of you are like, well, I can't live with people without bitterness and anger and hurt, and that's why we're talking about this tonight, okay? Because it's a real thing. Let's be honest. There's a lot of times, and this is probably not what a preacher you want to hear from a preacher, but let's be real. People suck sometimes. Good. Uh, often. <laughs> Almost always. <you> know? <laughs> whatever it is, whether it's in traffic, in restaurants, whatever, people can be so frustrating. They can be so aggravating. And if we learn how to deal with our relationships in a better way, and we really become somebody who is prepared to have good relationships, I believe that God is going to honor that and people are going to see Jesus through how we do relationships. Amen? Yeah. So let's pray. And we're going to jump all the way 
into it. Father God, we thank you for tonight. Lord, we thank you for your presence here. Uh, Lord, we're nothing without your presence. This is just a, this is just a hangout. This is just a group of people. But God, we believe that it's more than that. We believe that you show up and great things happen when you enter into our presence, Lord Jesus. So, um, when we give you praise and when we honor you, Lord Jesus, in your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Uh, I tell lots of stories about my marriage because it's the most dysfunctional part of my life. Uh, not because my wife is dysfunctional, but because I am. Uh, so I'm going to give you another marriage story. And this actually goes back to the very genesis, the very beginning of when my wife and I got married. We got married on July 31st, 2010. So we're coming up on seven years of marriage. I can't believe it's been that long. Yeah, I'll clap for that. I'll clap for myself. I can't believe she made it this long. And, uh, we got two kids. We have like a five-week-old, and we have a two-and-a-half-year-old. Uh, Joel's the older one, and Jovi is the little girl. She's practically newborn still. Um, but back, of course, at, at the very beginning, uh, my wife and I got married. We got married in Jacksonville, Oregon, which is like a really super small version of Ben. Um, it's kind of hipster. It's kind of expensive. People place a really great value on brick buildings and old things. And um, we got married in the Presbyterian Church there, the church that she grew up in. And it was a great wedding. We had like 350 people. They ate all of our food and spent all of our money, which was great. <laughs> elope, you guys, elope. But, uh, <laughs> you think I'm kidding? <laughs> uh, we got married, man. We had, to, we had such an incredible wedding. My dad did the wedding. And all of our friends and family and all that kind of stuff were there. And, um, and, and almost immediately, marriage was not exactly what you pictured it to be, especially not what Instagram would picture it to be. We got married, and I remember just while we were on our honeymoon, you know, we would be, we would be going to sleep, and seriously, we'd be going to sleep, okay, after, but anyway, we, that, anyway. Uh, I know you know the thing is, so I'm just going to bring it up, but Is this church, or what is this? Anyway, um, uh, we'd be going to sleep, and I remember, like, snuggling with my wife and being like, I hate snuggling. <laughs> I didn't know. But now I know I hate snuggling. Why is your, like, hair in my face? It's so hot. <laughs> like, I like, I wonder if it's cool to, like, you know, go to the other side of the bed for while I sleep. And, um, and then, sure enough, the second night... Uh, we were sleeping, and apparently I am a um, compulsive pillow loser off of the side of my bed. And so what I would do while I am sleeping is I would replace said pillow with a pillow from the other side of the bed. And after I got married, that, be that pillow became my wife's pillow. And so while I'm sleeping, apparently the pillow would fall off. I would grab her pillow, and I would pull it over to mine. <laughs> and I was sleeping. <laughs> you know, the whole thing. And so my wife, being a good wife, you know, I grabbed the pillow from her, and she said I would literally, like, snatch it. <laughs> and, uh, and so her head would go, you know, down like this. Wait. All right, she's being a good wife. You know, she grabs another pillow, and she uses that, and I lose that pillow, and I grab another one, and I grab another one. And it came to about the fourth pillow where she had had enough. Now, we were in a king-size bed, and... And she, she feels my hands come over to grab her pillow again, and she grabs a hold of the pillow. And I'm still totally asleep. And she starts pulling against me, and I start pulling back. And before I know it, 
we apparently, uh, still not awake, are fighting about this, and I take the pillow and I start pushing her off of the bed. <laughs> and I wake up to a... Dang it! And I wake up all... What are you doing on the floor? <laughs> she goes... She's like got tears in her eyes. Are you serious? <laughs> yes? <laughs> what happened? Why are you on the floor? Are you a crazy person? You know? <laughs> She's like, you took my pillow and you took my pillow and you took my and then you pushed me out of the bed. <laughs> I was like, super sympathetic. I was all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry? Are you sure it's me? Yes! <laughs> it's you! Oh, I am so sorry. That happened through... I never pushed her off again, but that happened through the, throughout the first year of our marriage where I would wake up and she is on her knees grabbing the other side of the pillow looking at me, bang, bang, bang! Oh my God, wake up! <laughs> Honey, are you okay? Get me the pillow! <laughs> Smother you! <laughs> Marriage, right? Like, this is what everyone, the stories everyone has. Not really. Um, you know, there are all those pictures of, you know, you leading somebody by the hand on their Instagram or something. And I don't, <laughs> it's so funny, and maybe it's just because I'm seven years down the road, um, a marriage has gotten, it, and I want you to understand me, it's gotten a lot less stereotypical romantic, and it's gotten a lot better than that. Marriage has gotten a lot better than my expectations ever were. Love has gotten a lot better than my expectations ever were. Now, we got ways to improve our relationship always. I am constantly falling short and trying to learn ways to, to love my family better, to love my wife better, but, but, but just like marriage wasn't, how I anticipated it would be in the stories that I thought we would share from hello, our first year, first week of marriage weren't what the stories that I thought they would be. Really, honestly, like everything that has gone into our relationship has actually been so much better than kind of the emotional roller coaster or all the Instagram pictures or all the images that you probably have in your brain of what it's like. And now, some of you are married in here, which is awesome. I'm so stoked for you. The rest of you who aren't, I hope, I hope you want to. I know it's not as cool these days, and I know we're kind of cynical about it and whatever, but I just know I've found so, such an incredible fountain of life within the scope of my marriage. My wife has taught me so much. I'm such a better person because of our relationship, even though it's had its ups and its downs, is so strengthened. I've become so much better, and I hope my wife has become better. She's at least become tougher and more patient. And I want that for you. I want those incredible relationships for you, and I believe that God wants those incredible relationships for you. But just like marriage is not always what I anticipated, uh, this section of Scripture that we just read through in 1 Corinthians 13 is not all of what you would expect. Now, this is a, a really classic, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a classic section of Scripture to talk about love. I mean, I say this at 75% of the weddings that I do because the couples request, you know, talk about this, can we talk about you? Love is patient, love is kind. And, um, you know, it looks good, it's kind of a tattoo kind of thing. You know, love never fails. Um, <laughs> and then I, I, sometimes I read through that chapter, and like I said, I've done, I've done like 30 weddings in my life. And sometimes you read through the scripture enough, and you go, 
My goodness. I, I, I once sat under uh, Fra- Francis Chan, not literally under. He would be very light. I'm sure it would be okay. He's kind of a skin guy. Um, but I heard Francis Chan speak at a conference. And he comes out, and uh, how many of you guys have heard Francis Chan speak, speak ever? The dude is like so real and raw and authentic, and like every time I hear him preach, I'm like, I need to be so much better. <laughs> but he comes out, and he's, he's, we just got done worshiping, and he comes out, and he just starts talking about prayer. He says, do you, do you realize, do you realize what you're saying? Do you know who you're talking to? I'm like, no, I don't thoughts. <laughs> you know, he like starts weeping on said, You know, when you're praying, you're talking to God, the creator of the universe, the very essence of life. He is eternity beyond. You're talking to him. And that completely changed my perspective on prayer. It's so simple and so obvious, but I was like, man, what, what am I saying? And there's a woman that, um, she's super awesome and influential on ministry. Her name is Sue back in Klamath who uh, we would play, actually that song that we played tonight, we would play Oceans. And I remember she came up to me after a service one time, and she's like, awesome. She's kind of wired sometimes, she gets excited. And she grabs me on by the shoulder, and she says, do you, do we know what we're singing when we sing that song? Oceans. <laughs> Oceans. <laughs> she says, seriously, spirit lead me where, where, where my feet have never, where my trust is with all the, wherever you would call me, do we know what we're singing? It's huge. It's not small. It's not minor. It's not a good melody line. It's got to be the cry of our hearts. And if we actually would understand what we're saying. And it's not just a good social media post to put it up there, but actually it's something that penetrates our hearts. It will change everything. I believe the same thing about this section of Scripture. We actually get what this is talking about. If we get what it's saying, not just recite the words, but we'll say it again. Love is patient. Love is kind. This is verse 4. And it is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. And it endures all things. Now that's huge. That is a big love lecture. It's a lovely, lovely lecture. But I'm going to center in on on what it says starting in verse 7. Love bears all things. Now what does that mean? Love, Love bears all things. It's so sad, and this is pathetic, but I always get, whenever I hear that, I get this picture of this. Um, anybody have a Bible cover? No one Bible covers? Like, everybody had them? And you had to have one because you were a Christian. And Jesus loved Bible covers. And, uh, but there was this one that said, love bears, and it had two bears holding hands on the front of it, all things. <laughs> Christianity. <laughs> I was thinking that. Anyway. Love bears all things. What does that? What does that actually? What does that actually mean? Uh, a really literal translation, or um, a good word picture for this section of scripture, for this phrase, "love bears all things," is that love builds a roof over the one it loves. It builds a roof over. It covers the one that it loves. Which means 
in some ways that, that not everybody gets to see everything that's going on inside of that relationship or inside of that love. Number one, because not everyone should see all of the great things about your life. There's got to be some things between you and your loved one or you and your spouse or you and your friend that are just between you. But it also means that the mistakes that someone has made, that we are willing to cover those things. It literally means that, and this is huge for churches, that when people start to gossip, and we know some of the correct answers to this gossip, that we go, oh, no, we won't talk about that. Well, but, you know, I heard that, no, they're fine. Working through it. Because what we want to do a lot of times, because we're humans, we like to create, like, little windows, you know, these little skylights on top of the roof. Yeah, well, you know, we're covering them. Christians love to do this one, too. Well, you know, we should pray for them. Because this is what is going on. You know what I'm saying? And they need some prayer. And it's like, oh, a little window. Oh, I'm going to cover them up. And I want you to check this little thing out. Look at that. Because we like to make ourselves feel better that way. We like to make ourselves whatever look better in comparison to other people. When the fact is a real love, a real relationship happens when, when our friends or our spouses or our loved ones will cover up the brokenness of other people so that healing can happen. Now I'm going to tell you tonight, if you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife, maybe not so much a husband or a wife, you need to work through that, but if you have a friend that is routinely creating skylights over your life instead of having a solid roof, you need to ditch the friend. Yes. They are not your friend. You know, honestly, there are some times in our lives where a lot of our problems will be solved, but we just got rid of crappy friends. Just being real tonight. I'm not saying you got to be a jerk. I'm not saying you got to scream at everybody. But I am saying you need to unfollow them on any social media and you need to not speak to them really anymore. It's called this. It's called loving them from a distance. <laughs> As I hear this all the time, and, and I should have brought this up earlier too. I've even counseled, um, usually women in abusive relationships or abusive situations where they'll say, look, I'm married to him. I, I made a covenant and I'm not going to leave him. You know, I know he's hurting me or he's beating me or he's verbally abusive or he's all these things and it's become a routine and part of our relationship. But I love him and I made that covenant. I made that commitment to him. And I'm going, look, sister, I love you so much and I'm so glad that you're calling on Jesus in your hour of need, but you need to call the cops too. <laughs> well, but you know, I love him. Great. Don't stop loving him. God has called us to love all the mankind. Some people need to be loved from a few states or a few continents away. And that's okay. We will love them better and we will experience life better. And some of us will actually live through these experiences because we've allowed ourselves some distance. Now, for real, if you are in an abusive relationship tonight, I'll go, please, tell, some, tell me, tell somebody because we need to get you out of that. I know that you can make up so many excuses and come up with so many reasons to say, but man, if you are being beaten, we need to get out of the relationship. Just for real. Just straight up. That's how it is. Okay? So it bears all things. It, it believes all things. Now, I even wondered about this one when I was a kid because it believes all things. I was like, man, love is like super gullible. <laughs> it believes all things, you know? Um, really, that, that's, of course, not what it means. Now, more directly translated, more accurate version of this would actually be love believes the best in all things. Love believes the best. 
This is so hard. How many of you like to jump to conclusions? Love to jump to conclusions. Hop to conclusions, bunny hop to conclusions, lead to conclusions. I can do all of these things. Uh, because I like to think I have like people figured out, you know? You ever felt that way? You know, it's like the guy cuts you off in traffic, or you know, it's the guy going way too fast. Uh, I, I, when people fly past me on a highway, I'm like, oh, Dear Jesus, I pray that they would get pulled over and I would get to watch it happen. (laughs) Well, they cut me off. What are they doing? They're not paying attention. Clearly, I can draw this conclusion. You are a moron. (laughs) I can do it like that. I figured it out. I'm amazing. You know, it's not. uh, And and then this this is what happened. I became a parent. Parents are the most dangerous drivers on the road. By far. Why? It's because we're trying to pick up the goldfish that fell onto the floor that's next to the water with a hand on the wheel in traffic. And we're trying to talk to our wife and we're trying to talk to our husband and then we're trying to fix this. We're trying to fix that. you got to roll the windows up. Now I want them down. Now I want this song. Like, gah, 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 gah. It's nuts. <laughs> and we are so unsafe. And so I started thinking about people that would like cut me off and stuff like, they just got a kid in there. <laughs> Grace to you, brother. Peace. <laughs> and good naps. Amen. And all of a sudden, it's for real, though. I started, like, having more grace with people on the road. It's absolutely insane. But it is the toughest thing in a relationship when, when, when you think it's not even, it, it, you know, I, this is the biggest one. Let's be real. That's the biggest one is the text. More importantly, the text back. Or the absent text back. Well, they didn't talk to me back. You know, we've got these, like, tears, right? Oh, it's been five minutes. Maybe they went to the bathroom. Maybe they really had to go. <laughs> oh, it's been ten minutes. Oh, it's been a half hour. Oh, it's been a day. Well, you know, they, you know, I think everything's okay. You know, phones run out of battery sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's been two days. They hate me. Hey, you know, this is even just about relationships, you know. It's people at Westside are the worst. You text any of the staff at Westside, dear God. They won't get back to you for a week unless I've started being like, hey, Casey Burnell, I have your money. You know, what money? There you are, talk to me! <laughs> but we'll draw these conclusions, and, and when people, even when people hurt us, but this is the crazy thing, this is the crazy thing, and of course, outside of that discussion of physical abuse that we just had, What this literally means is that when someone hurts you and you know that they did it on purpose, you say, they didn't mean it. That's literally what it means. They didn't mean that. When somebody comes up to you, there's always that friend like, oh, yes, they did. No, they didn't mean it. (laughs) Ah, I'm choosing to believe. I'm choosing to believe that there is something in there. And even if they, you know, they did mean to do it in that moment, I believe that there's something inside of that soul and inside of that person that did not mean to hurt me in such a way. And I'm going to be, you would, I'm going to just going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you, that when you are willing to humble yourself inside of a relationship in such a way, it's going to completely change your life. Where all of a sudden you're not looking for reasons to blame or to challenge the other person in the relationship, but all of a sudden you're re- looking for reasons to go, no, yeah, you didn't mean that. You didn't mean it. It believes all things. It hopes all things. 
Now, this literally means love has the highest hopes. Love has the highest hopes. We don't live in the most hopeful culture in the world, do we, right now? Not a lot of hope, you know, whether it's the president or maybe your favorite baseball team. Pray for me. (laughs) Go Mariners. But I would even imagine, and I was thinking about this as I was getting ready for tonight, after some of you, even as, you know, we're talking about relationships, you know, maybe you've lost hope. Thinking about the brokenness in your own life, thinking about how you've tried, uh, you've tried different methods, you know, you're trying to do it the right way. No, well, I'm just going to take it super slow. Well, let them come to me. All right, nobody's coming. We're going to play offense. It's offense here. We're going to go on dates and dates and dates and dates and dates and everybody sucks. (laughs) uh, Maybe you've gotten hopeless or maybe you're in a relationship that you feel like you've gotten hopeless. You've gotten hopeless about. The thing about love, and this is the greatest thing, and I really believe that this is when it comes to loving your city, when it comes to loving the culture and the people around you. Maybe it's uh, when it comes to loving a Uh, a president or a government that you absolutely hate and don't agree with. We are called as Christians, when it comes to love, to have the highest of hopes for the world and the relationships around us. Yes. Which means this, you guys, there's no room for cynicism. Yes. We don't get to be cynical. I have never known a cynical Christian that has seen anybody saved because of their cynical attitude. Can you imagine? You know, they're talking with somebody in church. Like, man, that was good preaching. Yeah, I mean, it was all right. I mean, totally read the book that he got that from. But, you know, whatever. Wow, I love Jesus more now that you said that than I did before. Would you pray with me? You know, it doesn't happen that way. Oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. This generation, that generation, this person, that person with cynicism. And I got to be honest with you, being cynical is so cool right now. I mean, that's what social media is covered with. We love sarcasm and cynical attitudes. And I have to tell you that as Christians, we cannot live in that and expect people to see the joy of the Lord that we are called to bring to this. I've been really thinking, and Spencer and I talked about this at this conference this last week. Now, for those of you who don't know, Pastor Spencer Schauber gets to know him. He's a beautiful man. And uh, he loves 90s rap. So if you're in a 90s rap, hop on that train. And... uh, (laughs) But we were talking about this, and, and the subject came up of how, uh, especially when pastors get together, it's seriously, especially when pastors get together, they're like, man, you know, we just want to be in like a real environment where people are honest to each other about what's going on. I love that. I love honest environments. I love real people. I love. I, I hope that um, that I am one of those people when it comes to leading this ministry. But really, what a lot of pastors mean is like, I just want to tell you how much life sucks and not feel bad. Which is fine to a certain degree, but I've noticed that as pastors keep getting together and getting together, and we get lunch, and we go to a conference, and we go to a meeting, and we go to a teaching, so much of it, we still we always start the sentence off with this phrase, man, can I just be real? And I've noticed that can I just be real has never finished off with, I'm just more in love with Jesus right now than I've ever been before in my life. Yeah. My marriage is good. My kids are happy, not puking anywhere. Sorry, that was me. That was me getting into that analogy. But the the sentences never go that way, and maybe it's the same way for you. You know, it's not, can I just be real, man? My job is just so 
so good. It's get under real. Things are miserable. Everything sucks. Have you been on Facebook lately? I did. I'm not getting paid when I should get paid. Can I be real? I'm just tired. I'm just exhausted. And we live in this constant perpetual negativity that is the farthest thing away from having the highest of hopes for our families, for our relationships, for our loved ones, for our boyfriend, our girlfriend, our husband, our wife, our fiance, whatever the case may be. It is the farthest thing from having the highest of hopes that God has called us to. And that's why I love to talk about, man, I have the highest of hopes for this ministry. I believe that we're going to have hundreds, if not thousands, of youth and young adults from the Central Oregon area come all worshiping and praising Jesus together, becoming disciples and falling more in love with God every single day and changing the world around them. And people look at me and they're like, man, you know, well, you know, like church is just kind of, it's getting smaller and young people don't like church as much. I don't care. If you want to live in that reality, that's great. If you want to live in the reality that relationships are always going to suck, the guy is always going to deceive you, the girl is always going to cheat on you, it's never going to work out the way that you had hoped it would, I believe that God wants to raise your standard of hope tonight. And then finally, we'll finish up with this. And I've really been, I've really been going for it here. I'm going to let you breathe for just a moment. <laughs> Finally, it endures all things. It bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, and it endures all things. Love never fails. Now, the the phrase that gets the most press in all of this is clearly love never fails, right? How wonderful is that? It's kind of like how in 1 John the Bible said, the Bible says, imperfect love casts out fear. And, uh, And I love that, like, couples that want to use that as their thing. I'm like, I want you to understand the perfect love is talking about, neither one of you are givers of that perfection. <laughs> well, but, no, you. Nope, you're going to smack your wife out of the bed with a pillow your second night you're married. <laughs> Believe in that for all. No, just kidding. <laughs> tears in her eyes, you guys, tears. But that, that's not it. And, and it says love, it's love never fails. Love never fails, and that, that gets all the press. But the reason that love never fails comes last is that it has to come behind that that it is it endures. Love endures. Now, I think the two toughest things in this section of scripture are are that it believes the best, and that that it endures. Enduring is really difficult when it comes to relationships. Because you're going to experience pain. You're going to experience weakness. You're going to experience just really just a a full-on just nakedness. You're just going to be prone in your relationship in a way that you've you've never been before. And I promise I'm not making like a sex joke. Like, when you're married to someone, there, there's nowhere to hide anymore. And that can actually rip you apart or that can draw you together. But when everything is kind of out in the open and, and you know, it calls, the, the Bible calls it intimacy, it's, it's you knowing me at the ultimate level and me knowing you at the ultimate level. When intimacy happens in, in a relationship, beautiful things happen, but there's the tendency for us to really center around a lot of the most difficult and painful and broken things that we could find in another person. And so what does love do really, really on a basic level? 
and stays. Yeah. This is, again, outside of the physical abuse portion that we're talking about. I'm not saying stay married to someone that is beating you. That is not what I'm saying at all. But ultimately, love, a true love, a true love goes beyond the difficulties and the painfulness of a relationship and it stays and it endures. One of the most important things, I'll, let me say this, I'll just say this, outside of just simply having Jesus be a part of the whole thing, I think the most important part, the most important thing that you can do with church is keep showing up. Just keep showing up. Keep coming. Keep coming. And I'm not, that's not like a, a sales pitch for Westside Exchange, the young adults on Tuesday nights. I don't care if you go to church here. Find somewhere that's teaching Jesus, that loves community and loves people, and go. I don't care. You don't have to like me. You don't have to whatever. Go somewhere and find a community and keep showing up. Because that's so much of what church is. It's like, hey, man, my life was crazy this last week, but I'm here. I need a hug. Better yet, I need you to not hug me. No one ever. I feel better that way. Give me coffee. You know? <laughs> I walk into a room. Ben, no, food, please. <laughs> Love me in other ways. <laughs> not a big hugger. I just don't know what to do. Um, but we have to stay. And what the church has to do when it comes to a culture and a society out there is, is we have to remain in that culture and that society to continue to love it. And what you have to do ultimately in the most effective relationship that you can have and the most important relationship you can have with a person, that is in a marriage, you just got to stay. You just got to keep coming back. I can't tell you how many times, especially early, early on in our relationship, Rebecca and I had to figure out the boundaries of fighting. It's a real thing, because you're going to fight. Sorry. <laughs> it's going to happen. If you're not fighting, then you're already broken up. That's just kind of how I feel about it. But you're going to fight. And then the most important thing is not that just to not fight. It's to figure out what the boundaries are. You know, because real quickly, your relationship can turn into an episode of Lost. You know what I mean? Where all of a sudden, you know, something happens and you're just like, <laughs> two people are pointing a gun at each other. It's like, That's, all right, come on. And people do that in their relationships. And this is why it could be so dysfunctional. Because one person leaves the wrong dish in the wrong place, and it's like, well, you know, I just don't know. It's like you don't even care about me. I think I might just leave now. All right, put the gun back in your holster, Kate. Like, jeez, everything's going to be okay, but we want to do this. Well, you hurt me, and I've been hurt before, so this is what's going on. I'm out of here. But instead, we learned how to fight. We learned how to understand. And there was this one fight that Rebecca and I had that was so massive. It was so big. And then at the end, it wasn't the end. Let's call it halftime. <laughs> I looked at her and I said, here's the deal. I don't think we're any closer on this issue. But I'm still going to be here. I know we're going to go to bed together tonight. I know that we're going to wake up together in the morning. I know that we're going to be husband and wife. I know that we're going to live under the same roof. And I know that I'm going to. And it's amazing how the tempo and the feeling of a fight can change where all of a sudden you understand the parameters. The very basement of our relationship is, I'm staying, I believe in you, I love you, I'm not going to go anywhere. And if that's your floor, you can do anything in a relationship. 
You can endure anything. You continue on to anything. If you fall on, I am going to stay because I love you. So if we're going to be an effective church, if you're going to be an effective husband or wife or a mother or a father or someone that loves the world around them, whatever it is, a missionary, anything like that, a software engineer, you have to endure. Keep coming back. Amen? Amen. Father God, we we thank you, Lord. Um, Lord, the best thing about you is that all of these descriptions of love are absolutely found in your story. Lord, that while we were sinners, your scripture says, you died for us. If that's not believing the best for humanity, then I don't know what is. Lord, if that's not enduring, if that's not staying, if that's not commitment, then I don't know what is, Lord. So we... We press and lean into your example tonight. And Lord, we want to have incredible relationships. Lord, we want to have a wonderful community here as young adults. Lord, we, we, want to, uh, we want to have meaningful romantic relationships, ones that endure, ones that show off all that you are. Lord, I pray, I pray that we would be willing to jump into these things, to know what we're saying, that when love never fails, it endures, it believes the best, it hopes, it bears all things, it covers. Lord, we want to be that people. We want to be that church. We want to be those husbands, those wives, those boyfriends, those girlfriends. Lord, we want to be those people. We love you. We give you praise tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Uh, A couple quick things. Again, third Wednesday, tomorrow night. Uh, be there, please. 6, 6.15 for food. 7 o'clock is when service starts. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Spencer's actually preaching tomorrow night. It's going to be off the So come hang out. Um, a couple of things. Since we're doing food, we need <laughs> help cooking food. Okay? Uh, so if any of you want to help with that, you've got some time tomorrow night or tomorrow evening, tomorrow afternoon, whatever it is, come and see me after. Also, if you are... Uh, musically inclined, you feel like you have a gift for worship, you want to get involved in Westside Church and what we're doing with regards to that piece of the creative arts, come and find me after this. We want to get you plugged in. We want to get you tried out to make sure that you don't suck. And um, I believe the best. And, uh, and we want to get you involved, okay? And man, if you need prayer, I'm available. Anything like that, we would love to pray with you. Other than that, you are now free to roam about the cabin, eat pizza and drink coffee. Thank <laughs> you.